Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. The town of Linden, Washington was founded in 1871 by Phoebe Judson, who advocated for a Sunday closure on the town. Here's why. 1853, Phoebe and her husband Holden joined a covered wagon train near Kansas City, hoping to reach the Washington Territory by mid-October. Now, this was a distance of more than 2,000 miles, which by today's standards we can do in, you know, less than a week. But they're on the rough Oregon Trail, and like many wagons, they are traveling um, by oxen, and going maybe 15 to 20 miles per day on a good day. And they elect a captain. The captain, his word is the law. What he says goes. And so they, uh, they elected Captain Reverend Gustavus Hines, only to be surprised one Saturday night when the Reverend and their captain came to him and he announced, we will never travel on Sundays. Phoebe was shocked. They had half of a continent to cross, at least four mountain passes, innumerable river crossings, she sat in her wagon and she fumed. How can he do this? How can he say we'll never travel on Sundays? I mean, winter is coming. That's a lot of lost days. One family actually deserted their train for another. They said, we're out of here. We're going to the other train because it looks like it's going to get there a lot quicker. So on their first Sunday, while they stood still, one train after another train after another train passed them. Phoebe, who's actually a minister of a daughter herself, She decided, I need to stay. I need to honor my captain, even though I'm very upset by this. Well, Monday rolls around. They started back up bright and early, and then only to reach their first river crossing on Tuesday night. And what do you think they found ahead of them? A long line of covered wagon trains just stretched in front of them as long as they could see, just waiting to cross on the single ferry that would cross them over to the other side of the river. They waited for three days. And they resumed their journey on Saturday, only to be told they would still rest the whole next day. Phoebe was livid. She was not happy. This made absolutely no sense to her. Still, she obeyed. A few weeks later, she began to see a large amount of dead oxen, mules, and horses along the trail. They had been driven so relentlessly that they had collapsed and died. She gradually admitted, perhaps the animals actually need a little bit of time to rest. A few weeks later, as they continued on, she shamedly admitted that maybe the men also needed to rest, specifically the men, because the men did mostly walking. They walked next to the covered wagons. She slowly began to notice as they stopped, rested, delighted in food and play, and worshipped on Sundays, that had a remarkably positive effect on the people's spirits. There was actually a lot less grumbling amongst their group. There was a lot more cooperation amongst their group, and they noticed they were actually having fun with one another. They were delighting. They were being playful. They were feasting. She even noticed that the other six days, as odd as it seemed, they actually made better time than the other groups. Finally, what sold her on the value of the Sabbath practice happened one Sunday evening. This is a true story, by the way. The family had desert, that deserted them came limping back to their campsite, humbly asking to rejoin them. She assumed they were at least a week ahead. I mean, she was doing the math. Like, what? how did you guys get here? Well, they had fallen behind. 
their own wagon had broken down. And of course, what they do? They welcome them back. And so it happened, they reached their destination, destination plenty of time. Here's the thing, they were still friends. They still had good relationships with one another. And out of the 50 head of cattle with which they began, they only lost two on the entire trip. We are in week two of our Sabbath practice. And this story exemplifies the value of Sabbath rest. As we saw last week, the word Sabbath or Shabbat in Hebrew most literally means to stop. And that was kind of where we left it last week, just to stop. But we also can mean to rest. It can mean to delight. It can mean to even worship, which is why we are framing the Sabbath practice in four movements. Stop, rest, delight, worship. And we started the series on recognizing that rest, while deeply misunderstood by today, by our culture, and I would say most of the church, is something that God built into the rhythm of the fabric of the world, of his creation. It tells us in Genesis 2, 2 and 3, which is what we looked at last week. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we see that there's, the, the point is that there's a six and a one rhythm that is built into the fabric of God's world just like gravity or thermodynamics. And if you fight it, which may, most of us would probably say we found this to be true, if you fight it, you will suffer the consequences. You know, Phoebe and the rest of the crew that were traveling, they watched other trains suffer those consequences. Lots of animals were lost. People got there later than they thought they would, even though they didn't take a day of rest, which is why later in Scripture, Sabbath is a command given by God. And so that's actually where we're going to be this morning. If you have your copy of Scripture, you can turn to Exodus 20. Uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible. So you start in Genesis, flip through one book, get into Exodus, and we're going to be in chapter 20, looking at verses 8 through 11. Uh, This is where we find the Ten Commandments, and we're going to focus on the Fourth Commandment this morning. So go ahead and turn there. The main point of our message this morning, man, I did it twice. You know what? This thing's bent. (laughs) I've now discovered that. I've run the carpet this morning. The main point of our message this morning is to see the Sabbath is a command not to be broken and a day to be kept holy. Let me say that again because I know the coffee was distracting. The Sabbath (laughs) is a command not to be broken and a day to be kept holy. In Exodus 20, 8 through 11, we find the, the fourth commandment It's the most expansive of all of them. It's the longest of all Ten Commandments. If you were to make a pie chart, it's about 37%. So if you think about that, in God's economy, it's just as, if not more important, than not lying, stealing, or killing. Now, if you steal, or you kill, or if you even lie, most of us, at least eventually, feel guilty. We feel bad about that even if it's a little white lie. But most of us don't feel bad and we don't feel guilty. And I doubt we've ever been to therapy over not Sabbathing, over breaking this commandment. It's the only commandment that most of us, our culture, we brag about it. We brag about breaking this commandment. We've talked about how how much we beat our chest and how much we worked and how many emails and how important that we are. But this is not the way of Jesus. Jesus. 
And as Christ followers, we want to practice the way of Jesus. We want to reorient our lives away around the Jesus way. So let's start by looking at this command in its entirety in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Somebody will get me a cup of coffee, by the way. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The Sabbath is a day in which we enter time and call it holy. It's like the, the line which in the wardrobe, which I'm honestly not, I'm not familiar with, but it's like they enter into that closet door, right? And they enter this special time and place. It's like, that's what we do when we enter the Sabbath. We enter this through this door that looks totally different than the rest of our, our days and our weeks. Dan Allender, a Christian psychologist, says, holy simply means set aside, not lost in the sea of everything else. The holy is distinct in that it stands out and shimmers with the presence of something far more than itself. The holy translates itself into something else while still remaining what it is. The Sabbath is only a day, yet it is the gateway to another eon that cannot be entered by any other door. This passage up front, it addresses two unquestionable, indisputable issues related to Sabbath. The first, or well, let me give you both of them and then I'll, I'll expand a little bit, is inclusivity and sensation. So first is inclusivity. As I was preparing my message last week, uh, as you most of you know, I sit in coffee shops. I drink way too much coffee and, and, and do a lot of my work. So I'm sitting next to a guy uh, who, who's gotten to know me over the last couple of weeks, and he's learned that I'm a pastor, and I haven't scared him off yet. And so he asked me, what are you, what are you working on today? And I said, well, I'm actually preparing a message on uh, Sabbath, and I, I kind of explained what that is. And he said, he looked at me, he said, it sounds amazing. And it must be really nice for those who can afford to take a day off or are those of, of affluency who are able to take the Sabbath. To which I acknowledge which he meant. I'm not going to nuance that this morning. We can talk about that maybe on a Wednesday. But I wanted to point out to you, in, in case that's what you're thinking as well, right? Because that is kind of a common mentality. It must be nice to take a day off. It must be nice that I can afford that. Um, let me point this out. The Sabbath is not only for the elite. The Sabbath is, is not only for the spiritual or the wealthy. The Sabbath is for all equally. Every man, woman, child, and even one's animals, including chickens, at Eddie's house. The Sabbath is given to all people. When Jesus famously said the Sabbath was made for people and not people for the Sabbath, he was speaking to a generation that had the opposite problem to ours. They had hundreds of rules around the Sabbath and what you could do and how you could do it and how you could sleep and how you could eat and what foods, all this. And, but it got to where it really warped the idea of why God gifted us the Sabbath. It's a gift. It's a pleasure, something to enjoy. And so they got, they got kind of out of whack a little bit. And so first century Jews needed to hear the second half of that line. The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Most 21st century Christians, so let's put us in this category, we need to hear the first part. The Sabbath was made for people. The Sabbath was made for you. 
The Sabbath was made for you, and it's, and it's a gift. Now, our problem is opposite of the Jews that it was given to, is that we don't have too many rules for Sabbath. We don't have any rules for Sabbath. And so it ends up being just kind of another day that looks similar to almost any other day. Right. And we continue to consume and, and, and use our culture in the way that we normally would. And so then we wonder, why am I not feeling restful? Because we're not actually resting. And remember, long before the Sabbath is a command in Scripture, we hear commands and we get kind of like, we don't want Ten Commandments in school because I don't want Ten Commandments in my life. Right? Like, I don't want it. But before it's a commandment, it's a gift. Yeah. Think about Christmas, right? We're still not that far. Or Valentine's Day, right? I don't know if all of you do Valentine's Day gifts, but if you do, like, it's a gift. Something to pleasure and delight in from your Creator. From the Creator God who created you and me and the heavens and the earth and everything around us and all the animals. Our generous, joyful, loving God that Jesus called the Lord of the Sabbath. Hence the command, remember the Sabbath. So first is inclusivity. It's for everyone, everywhere, for all times and all places. Second is cessation. Holiness requires separation. That it stands apart from something else. And so the, the Sabbath is marked by some moment in time when the clutter and congestion of life of that sameness that we experience day in and day out. Like, think about it. You probably hit this, like, Wednesday, maybe Thursday, right? Like, you, you start your week fresh, but then you kind of get a little bit past the middle, and you're like, oh, it's, like, congested. Like, think about the traffic that you're sitting in. But this is a day, a moment in time when all that sameness is released. It looks entirely different. The Sabbath is the, the day that, what we call the stopping day, where our regular work ceases. Our regular routine of how we do things ceases, and we take the time to refocus. Think about something when it gets out of focus. Right? Every, every Sunday we set the projector. It's usually out of focus because it got moved. And everything back here would be all blurry. So we have to kind of move this thing. We refocus it. We recenter it. At times I need to get new glasses because I notice that things are blurry. So it's a day that we take to refocus and recenter our life on God. Because inevitably we've gotten lost in the mundane of daily life. And so we are to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Hebrew could also be taken as a, as a proper clause. It could also mean in order to keep it holy. In other words, today we remind ourselves of a few things. That one, we are not self-originating. You didn't create yourself. You're not self-originating. We are not self-sustaining. And we are not self-authenticating. And so we see here that the command is further grounded and rooted in a way that it imitates the Lord's pattern that we saw last week in creation. There's this weekly pattern of work and rest. It is to be regular and essential part of our lives. Later, we'll actually see this in Deuteronomy, uh, which is the passage that Eddie read from this morning, where Moses gives another reason for observing the Sabbath. It recalls the redemption from their slavery in Egypt for Israel. And it's really this important. So it's, it's given in the beginning, and then it's commanded here. We see it commanded again, but it, it kind of has a different meaning to it. And then it's life-giving. It's modeling this creation, this fabric that was built in. Alan Ross says, one day in every seven, we are called upon to cease our labors to supply our own needs. One day in every seven, we are called upon to remember that each person, and indeed each animal, is special to God. And that they have been each been given the gift of time by him. One day in seven is to be dedicated to the Lord. An obvious question at this point. 
as we really focus on verse, uh, the first verse in, of Exodus here, going, remember. And you might be saying, what is it we remember? Okay, you told us last week we were to stop. Okay, man, I get that. I'm not a slow learner, Matt. What, like, what is it we remember now that we're on the Sabbath? We remember there's a creator God, that we live in his world, and that it is good. We remember that there's a rhythm to his creation. I mean, even just look at the seasons. We remember we don't stop when we're finished. This one's really a key one. We don't stop when we're finished because we're never finished. There's always the next project. There's always something else to do and to work on. It's never enough. So we don't stop when we're finished because we're never finished. We stop when the rhythm God built in our body says, stop, rest, delight, worship. We remember we're not what we do or what we have or what other people think of us. We are who we are deeply loved by. Sabbath is a weekly act of identity formation. You know, I think identity is something we all struggle with. I think uh, our culture struggles with identity. But this is a day that we're reminded that we're not what we do, we're not what people think of us, but we're reminded that I am loved by God and I am God's beloved. That's where my identity comes from, being a beloved child of God. We remember that our life with God is not a right, but a gift, a gift that he has freely given us, ultimately in salvation, but then he's also given us things like Sabbath. We remember that the world is full of evil and justice. Yes, so we're not ignoring that. We know that, that those things happen, but it's also full of goodness and beauty and truth. We remember that we owe it to God to be grateful and joyful in his world. So we remember. We stop and we remember the Sabbath. Then in verses 9 and 10, let's pick it, pick it up further. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Now it's important to remember the original audience this was given to. This was an agrarian culture. Sorry, showing my words there. And, and so their life looked different than the life that we live. So this wasn't prohibiting uh, things that had to be done in order for the animals to keep living in order for life to continue to go on. But what this was doing is it was prohibiting duplicating work as normal on the Sabbath. In other words, it was just another day that, that maybe they didn't actually punch in and punch out, whatever that looked like for their culture at that time. But it was a day that work as normal would not continue. If you remember my example last week, I talked about vacation. This is when we, when we save up, we look forward to vacation, and then we spend the whole week working and making it look exactly like every other week of our lives. That's, that would not, that's not how you vacation. That's not how you, how you Sabbath. But this also means that if we merely use Sabbath to rest from our ordinary work, which I call that a day off, which is different, without also using the time to reorient our compass, once again, reorienting our lives around Jesus and his ways by worshiping the creator and redeemer to whom we belong, then we will have missed the point. We're going to miss the point of what, what we're reorienting our lives around. Once again, it's this day that we get to reset. It's the, it's the day as, as our lives get out of, of, of sync that we get to stop and reorient back to that. And so we want to miss the point of why we rest. The Sabbath is a holy day, different from all the rest, but it sanctifies all the rest. This is, this is that day that helps you live the rest of the week. 
and view it through that lens. This is why I think as you start to practice the Sabbath, and, and in my own life as I've started to practice and implement the Sabbath, it is becoming the day I look forward to the most. It's the day when I'm frustrated in the middle of the week, I go, Sabbath is coming. It's kind of like living in Portland, okay? I know that true Portlanders are like, oh, we love the rain. But the reality is, I don't know really who loves the rain as often as long as we get it. But we get to that point in the year, we're not quite there, it's like February, guys, all right? But when we get to the spring, we're like, but summer's coming. And we know when summer comes, that rhythm, that season changes, and all of a sudden it's sun all the time. And it's long days, and we just delight, right? So we get that idea of delight. It's like that's what Sabbath becomes in your week. The rest of the, the days become the gray rain that we get in the Pacific Northwest for all of those transplants. But Sabbath becomes the, the summer holy day where you just get to enjoy it. And so we start to look forward to that. I think everything we are is a gift from the creator. And so if we don't avail ourselves, if we don't make ourselves available to the gift that's been given to us, we are allowing ourselves to be less than what the creator intended us to be. We're robbing ourselves of the gift that he has handed us in Sabbath. According to the law, the people of God were to cease from their labors to devote the seventh day to the worship and service of God. Dan Allender, I know I've referenced him a lot. The book's called Sabbath. You should pick it up. It's, it's really, really good. He says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experiences God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast play, dance, make love, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. I know for some of you, Sabbath, and for a lot of Christians, Sabbath is Sunday. So if I'm you, like I've got the biggest smile on my face because I'm about to do a lot of those things we just listed. My Sabbath is on Friday, so now I'm into my work week. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy. Because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone in a week. This goes back to what I said last week. I think we struggle with this in some ways because we don't feel like we deserve it. You haven't. It's been given to you. It is a gift that God has handed to you. Verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I can't think of a stronger case for observing the Sabbath than God himself. And there's not a stronger argument within Scripture than the creation account, which intentionally describes six days of labor and one day of rest. God didn't need a day off. <laughs> He's God. God wasn't tired from creating from laboring in that way. I think about, it's, it's, and I can hear myself at times saying this in my life, oh, I don't need a day off. You know, there's kind of this prideful thing. Like, I don't need a day off. Oh, I get three weeks of vacation. I only used half a week. You know, you're like, man, you're like, hmm. Got, you know, you've got this work ethic. But when we look at our example as God and as, as Christ followers, we should be the people who are actually resting. We should take all of our vacation time. And that can, itself can be a testimony to our coworkers. Why did you take all your, your vacation time? You know, there is the, the mix of you earned it, but you can also say, well, here's why. 
Because I'm not finding my identity in how much work I'm getting accomplished. I'm not finding my identity in this. I find my identity in Christ. And Christ actually created this rhythm. I know that sounds like crazy, but just like I'm saying to you, you can have that over a cup of coffee, like have that conversation. Like I know this probably sounds really crazy to you, but God built this rhythm into the fabric of creation, and I believe that we are his creation. And also, by the way, even if you don't identify with Jesus, Christianity, he also gave this to you. (laughs) It was for all of creation. Sabbath is countercultural. Like, we're in a city that says we're countercultural. And if you look around, compared to a lot of the nation, we are. But this is countercultural. It's not portrayed as a day of recuperation for those who are too weak who need to take a day off. It's portrayed rather as a stoppage, as good for everyone. This is good for you. It's good for your soul. It's good for your life for the purpose of refocusing on holiness. This is a reminder who do we belong to? I belong to God. It's a reminder for us because we all kind of, I think pride's one of those things we all you end up dealing with at some point and you kind of think, I'm self-sustaining. Look at me. You start to look at your house and your belongings and you go, look what I did. Look at where I've got. Sabbath is a reminder for all of us that actually you belong to God. And that's God who's blessed you with this thing. It's God who's given you that gift that you're able to go and have the job that you have. It's God who's provided you with the things that you have in life. And so it's this reminder as we refocus on holiness and who we belong to, and we get to enjoy the blessings of that day and its potential. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And we've talked about this a little bit on Wednesdays. That might look different for each of us, right? Like, I personally love to be out in creation on Sabbath and looking around and like, man, God, you created this. And it's incredible. I love to delight in good food and just enjoy that it's not just food to sustain us. God could have done that. God could have given us food that, that was just plain and could have been Play-Doh, right? Like he just gave us and we just, that sustained us. But no, he gave us taste buds. And he gave us like taste buds where things taste really, really good. And then we get to enjoy and, and you know, it's like taking that, that slice of that, that, that pizza, your favorite pizza from somewhere, or that first lick of the salt and straw ice cream. It's like, oh my goodness, this is so good. God gave you those taste buds. God gave us these flavors. Douglas Stewart says, the change the Sabbath brings about in one's weekly routine makes it a refreshing day rather than the absence of activity therein. So here, I'm gonna break that down a little bit. If, if your six-day work week or five-day really work week is mostly sitting at a desk and working on a computer, then your Sabbath might be more physically driven. Like you might go work out. You might take a long hike. Yes, you're gonna be exhausted in that way, but it's still, it's, it's not dishonoring the Sabbath. You're taking a break from your normal mundane work. Now, on the other hand, if your job's like physically uh, taxing and you're, you're moving around a lot, like you might do the opposite. You might just lay in bed for a big part of it. Both will be consistent with remembering the Sabbath. And we're not trying to get into legalism here, but we're trying to embrace this, this uh, gift that God has given us. And so to love God and remember the Sabbath is not to have one lazy day a week. That was my own struggle for years. I don't deserve this. I don't earn this. I feel like I'm being lazy. And I needed to be glued to needing, I mean, just to be transparent. Like I felt like I, I wanted to feel important, right? Like, oh, I got more emails to answer. And oh, let me send more emails so I can get more emails. And let me do all of these things. So I'm really strong. Like, Man, it's a lazy day. But it's not that at all. It's a day to focus on doing his will. It's specifically one day a week to stop. Like even just that idea, when I hear that, just to stop. It's like, something refreshing about it. Just to rest. To delight and to worship. 
Now, in the New Testament, Jesus affirms the importance of Sabbath and promises rest to those who follow him. I know we find a focus in the Old Testament. We're going to jump forward next week to the New Testament. And according to the writer of Hebrews, the rest that God provides through Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath and the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament to provide rest to his people. The salvation represented by rest reflects the culmination of redemptive history, and it echoes the rest that awaited Israel and the promised land after their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And so here's what I want us to close this morning. I've got a few just questions for you to reflect on, just for you to, to, to inspect your life and your heart as you talk to God and this idea of Sabbath. And so the first one is what and who do you trust in? You see, in order to honor the Sabbath and remember the Sabbath, there's some trust that has to take place. Really, it's full trust. It's blind trust. It's saying, God, I'm actually not in control and I'm willing to step aside on this day. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of the wheel, so to speak, or I'm going to jump out of the plane and let you pull the chute for me. So true trust in God is shown by our obedience to God. You can go back. You can go back one. Let me say it again. True trust in God is shown by our obedience to God. And so do you trust him enough with your time, with your week, to rest in him through Sabbath? Second question, and go to the next slide. What do you rest in? What do you delight in? Are you resting in Christ and his promises? Are you delighting in, in, in God and that he's in control of this world? And our third question, do you have the assurance that you belong to God salvifically? Have you accepted and trusted the gift of salvation that he offers to you? Because if you don't have that, observing the Sabbath doesn't make as much sense. Even though it's given to all mankind and creation, I feel like I'm in the way here, I see <laughs> But on the Sabbath, we remember specifically our relationship to God. We delight in that. We rest in that. What he's done for us in, through Christ in salvation. And let me be clear as I wrap up here. You shouldn't attend church on Sundays and you shouldn't try to practice the Sabbath in order to establish and earn a relationship with God. So I don't want you to, I think, you know, even in my own life, that was kind of a period of time. Well, I got to do this. Almost like this religious, you know, going back to the, the original audience. That's not why we do that. Because it's not going to earn you any closer to that relationship with God. And God only wants you here out of the overflow enjoyment of your relationship with God. And so even practicing the Sabbath, it's not that God's going to love you any more or any less if you practice it, but it's a gift that you're robbing yourself of that he has given you in order to delight in him and his creation. And so the only way that we sustain or have that relationship with God is by receiving what God has done for us in the gospel. And in some ways, the Sabbath is a reminder for that. The God that you've, if you've paid the ultimate price and you've actually ultimately taken care of everything in my life. And that as a result, I'm going to give all to you. I'm going to, to choose to, to rest in you on this day. And so it's, it's either receiving the gift of salvation today or it's receiving the gift of Sabbath today or it's being the reminder of receiving those gifts. They're available. Are you accepting them? Are you receiving So once again, what and who do you trust in? What do you rest in? How do you rest? 
What do you delight in? And do you have the assurance that you belong to God? And really this last question here, in a sense, it points to the whole picture and to the others. Because we have the assurance that we belong to God, and we have the trust in God, and we're able to rest and delight in God. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to respond to worship this morning. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. God, you created the world. And then you created within that world this idea of working for six days and resting a seven. And God, I'll be the first to admit that for many, many years, I wasn't practicing this. Specifically, this command, God, would be the one that I would break and that I would even boast in to those around me. So God, for that, I I confess publicly before you and before my brothers and sisters that of that that wrong, that sin, God, that thankfully now, although albeit from perfect, and I still am failing forward in this process, but God, I want to give a day to you, a day where I stop from the normal work cease to rest, to delight, to worship. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters, all of us collectively as a church family, as we are learning what it means to to follow you and to practice your way. And God, that hopefully this morning that this was received with love and grace and truth as a reminder for all of us. God, there's no judgment if we're not practicing this or that we, we haven't been practicing this, but the exhortation, the encouragement is that we are leaning in as a family and helping one another see the value of not just rest, but the value of, of Sabbath and trusting you with our time, trusting you with our week, trusting you with our months and our years. And God, as countercultural as it would seem to take a day and not do what we normally do, God, the posture of our hearts and our lives is that you're in control and that we believe that you are in control. And the way that we model that is by Sabbath. God, we love you. We thank you. We get to worship you freely. Thank you for the rest. Thank you for your creation. Thank you that we can delight in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.